If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. We've been looking at this idea of combination. In the first week, we looked at the fact that we live in combination with Christ. We do not live independent lives, uh, but we are in combination with Christ. The second week, we looked at living in combination with one another. That is, we do not function in isolation in community either. We are the body of Christ, and therefore we work together. Last week, we looked at we live in combination with grace. We never outrun God's grace. We're always in God's grace. Therefore, we have assurance of our salvation. Today, we look at problem in partnership. And we're looking at the book of Philippians, problems in partnership. Now, to remind us here of the book of Philippians, the author is the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote this somewhere between 61 and 62 A.D. And the theme of the book is living the Christian life, which we'll look at a little more in depth here in a few minutes. The purpose that he wrote was to express gratitude for the love offering that the Philippians had given to him. And so today now we're going to look at problems in this relationship with God. And one of the major problems uh, is our salvation. You say, well, wait a minute, Pastor, didn't you say that once we come in Christ, we're always in Christ? Absolutely. Uh, but today we're going to look at um, what Paul tells us first is the Christians work out. If you have your bulletins, it's on the back of the bulletin. You can fill in the blanks as we go along. Christians work out, and he begins with the words work out. Now notice what he writes. Therefore, my beloved, that's an affectionate term. So the Apostle Paul writing to this church at Philippi, he's letting them know right up front that he loves them. It's very important that the Apostle Paul be affectionate with these brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he adds, as you have always obeyed. And that word always refers to at all times that they have not only paid attention to what the Apostle Paul said, but they had actually obeyed what the Apostle Paul had said. So it's very much like a sermon that you hear on Sunday morning. The pastor will preach the sermon, and then you have the responsibility or the obligation, if you will, to take the notes of that sermon and to try to live it out. James 1.22 says, Be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So it's the Apostle Paul here is saying, Look, you guys have always obeyed what I have told you to do. So they not only processed what Paul said, but they actually lived it out. Now the Apostle Paul goes on to say, So now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Why would Paul say that? Well, you've got to remember the Apostle Paul is in prison right now. He is absent from them. They could actually play around if they wanted to and not do what he said to do. It's kind of like when the boss is out of the office, right? Every time the boss is out of the office, you're partying, right? Or you're maybe, maybe some of you are working full-time. Matter of fact, I'd like to encourage you to work heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. 
But the Apostle Paul here is trying to get to a point. The point is, no matter whether I was with you or whether I was absent, I want you to continue in your walk with Christ. And we also have to remind ourselves that we are never out of the presence of Jesus. That we are never out of the presence of his uh, watchful look over our lives. And then he says something very important. You've got to remember, this is the Apostle Paul writing, not James. James is what Martin Luther called the great strawberry epistle. Because James says fake faith without works is dead. And so we always look at the Apostle Paul in the realm of we are under grace. No matter what comes against us, we are saved. And now we can live out our Christian lives. We never have to worry about that. But this is the Apostle Paul writing this. This isn't James. I, I would maybe expect James to write this way, but not Paul. And he says, work out. Cardogizomai in the Greek language, cardogizomai, which is something to be done with thoroughness, something that, is, that, you, that you give energy to, something that you continually try to do in your Christian walk. Now, I don't always smile when I'm working out on a treadmill. But when you work out on a treadmill, you have to keep going, and I usually shoot for two miles uh, when I'm working out. It's good for you. It doesn't feel like it's good for you at the time, but it's good for you. And so what Paul is saying here is that we have a responsibility in our own Christian walk to work out. That means to do something. We don't sit idle in our salvation. We don't, take an, we don't go to John uh, 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. We don't take that to mean that's the end of our Christian life. We just sit and bask in the grace of God, and everything is okay, which it is in one sense. But in another sense, we have a responsibility to work out. And uh, thinking about this tension, I want to talk about tension here. We have the tension of resting. Absolutely. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Amen. In one sense, we come in to Hebrews chapter 4, where we enter the Sabbath rest and we can cease from our labors. But in another sense, it's working. Philippians 2.12, work out your own salvation. There should always be a tension in the Christian walk between knowing that we are saved and yet working in our salvation. There should always be that tension. Dr. Newt Larson, a friend of mine, wrote, we can be doing the right things or the wrong things, of course, but this is a call to duty in the best possible way. Taken in the context here, it is going to show that we have a duty and God will be working in our lives as we obey him and work out. So we do have a responsibility in our Christian salvation, in our Christian walk with God. We don't sit back on the couch, the spiritual couch, and get our bags of chips and our Cokes and we just watch everybody else play. That's not the way it works. Because notice what Paul says here. He mentions the word salvation. 
He says, your own salvation with fear and trembling. Again, let me caution. When Jesus died on the cross, he said it is finished. Why did he say it is finished? The payment for sin was done. It was poured on Christ. The wrath of God was poured on Christ for our sins. So when Jesus died on the cross, all of our sins were done. They were washed away by the blood of Christ. So it is definitely finished in the sense that God, through Jesus Christ, paid your sin in full. It is done. It is finished. I'm not arguing that point this morning. But the fact that the Apostle Paul says, your own salvation. It's so easy in the Christian life to look at the other guy and say, wow, I'm not sure he is saved or I'm not sure he is walking with Christ. It's like the guy that sits out in his backyard, which is littered full of stuff, and he looks across the street and he sees another yard that is littered and goes, boy, that guy's backyard's really messed up, right? When your own backyard needs to be cultivated and taken care of. It is your salvation. You, you and I have a responsibility in our walk with Christ to live according to how he has called us to live. Salvation here mentioned is soteria. Soteria, and I like what Lou and Nida said in the Greek-English lexicon, Although it is difficult and sometimes impossible to determine whether soteria, that's the Greek word, refers to the state of being saved or the process of being saved. So it's difficult. In some languages, it is obligatory, obligatory, okay, it's easy for me to say you're you're obligated, to choose one or the other meaning. In this case, we have an obligation to choose what is it. Is it the state of being saved or the process of being saved? Well, we can get an example from Colossians 1, 9, and 10. And so from the day we have heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. What does that mean? You know, I like giving examples. Here we go. Being filled with the knowledge of God's will. That is a process. That does not happen overnight. That is something that is gained through a process. You get saved, and then you begin to grow in your relationship. Salvation is a process. You could say it this way. I am saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. The process of being saved, not that you're not saved, because it says, I have been saved. At the foot of the cross, you were saved. But secondly, you begin working that process in your daily life of becoming more and more like Jesus in this world and less and less like the world. So we have a process of being filled. Of course, as you grow in your relationship with Christ, guess what? You start leading lives worthy of the one who redeemed you. Then you start bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. You you begin doing things that you could not otherwise do. 
And of course, you continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. So when I look at this word soteria, it is definitely deliverance from something, but it is also a process that takes place in our hearts and lives. Are you following? It is something that you do, that I do, that we make an effort to grow in our salvation. Then he says something that is totally not like the Apostle Paul. Listen to what he says. With fear and trembling. Uh-oh, here we go. Does this mean we're going to lose our salvation? No. You got the word phobos and tromos here. Phobos is the word for reverence for God. So when he says with fear, he's talking about a reverence for God. It is to acknowledge that God is the creator of the universe, that he is majestic, that he is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, but he is also all-caring. We have a reverence for God. And of course, the translation here says fear. And then he adds the words trembling. <laughs> when I looked at this and I read it this week, I said, this, this looks like the, the, the Apostle James. Faith without works is dead. James says, I'll sh you show me your faith, and I'll show you my faith by my works. But he says here, trembling, tromos, which means sh shaking. And there is a sense here of an acknowledgement that we are serving somebody greater than ourselves. And in this case, it is God. I guess Kenneth Woos said it best. It is taking heed lest we fall. It is a constant apprehension of the deceitfulness of the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. We can't always trust it. And the deceptiveness and power of the inward corruption. It is the caution and care which timidly shrinks from whatever would offend and dishonor God and Savior. This is our human responsibility. So when we look at salvation... It is working out that salvation before God with reverence and with a little intimidation. Again, notice there's a tension here. The Apostle Paul would never say, uh, you are not saved because you are not working. He would never say that. See, there's two ways that you can live. You can work out of fear and you can work to try to save your salvation or to save yourself, or you can work because you have been saved. Two different realms. I work and I do because I love the one who redeemed me. And I do not worry about times that I fall. I do not worry about times that I mess up and I make mistakes. And by the way, welcome to the Christian life. You will make mistakes in your Christian walk. That doesn't mean that God cast you into the outer darkness. But what it does mean is that you are struggling. And if you are struggling, that's a good sign because you understand that you don't want to do that. I would be the first to admit, if there is no conviction in your life and there is no fruit in your life, then you may want to go back and check the root to make sure that you were saved. The Apostle Paul says here, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Again, I don't want you to leave here today. I don't want you to leave here today 
thinking that you could ever lose your salvation based on your works. Please hear that. Please hear that. You can never lose your salvation based on what you do. The salvation is the baseline where all of your sins were washed away at the foot of the cross. From this point, and I've said this a lot of times, you can never leave the cross the same way in which you came. Many of you came, and I know, I know the day that I was saved, October 12, 1981. That day the army chaplain explained to me that, that I need a savior and that I'm a sinner and I need to be uh, forgiven of those sins. I remember that day specifically. I still see the church that I was saved in. And when I prayed that sinner's prayer, the chaplain said, how do you think God sees your life now? I didn't know because I just trusted in Christ. He says he sees your life as a blank slate. All of your sin is done. And then the chaplain did something that most chaplains wouldn't do. He told me, now I want you to get into church. I want you to read your Bible, and I want you to start growing in your faith. I had such a wonderful opportunity a few years ago to actually hook up, and Audrey had orchestrated the whole thing, and I talked with the chaplain over the telephone who saved me. He said, I remember you. He said, I remember that event. He was tickled to death to learn that something that he did with probably hundreds of soldiers in the field, that one of those soldiers grew up to become a pastor. He was tickled to death. And of course I thanked him. Because without that day, my destiny would have been different. And oh, did I struggle? Did I stumble? Did I do stupid stuff? Yes, I did. But all the while, there was the conviction in my heart that says, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to keep going. You got to keep working. You got to keep growing. And I did. By the grace of God, I did. Billy Graham once said, the world is still waiting for somebody to surrender their lives. And Billy Graham said that. <laughs> what God could do with a life that is fully surrendered to him. Billy Graham's a good test case. He gave his life to Christ fully and wholly, and look at what God did. Maybe on a grand stage for him, but you know what? Our stage is just as grand. You have such an important mission in the kingdom of God. It is so important that you need to be working out that salvation. Now, we have focused a lot here already on working out our salvation. But the, uh, the Apostle Paul masterfully does something here in the next verses. To get God's inner help. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling to get God's inner help. Now, he starts here with where he works. This should not surprise us. So you'll notice what, what we're doing here is we are working out what God has worked in. It is working out what God has worked in. 
for it is God. Look at this. This is beautiful. For it is God who works in you. The creator of the universe is working in you. He is working in me. It is something inward. It is not outward. We do the outward what God did inward. And it is amazing. Inargo is the word for work, which means to produce or to bring something about. It is the power of God working in us. Let me, let me say this. We don't do anything by ourselves. We go to God and we say, God, here is my life. I give it to you. And God, through his inward power, begins to push out what he has worked in. Do you see this? It's like God comes in and he begins pushing out what he has worked in. And therefore, as he pushes out, we are working with him in combination. The problem comes when we refuse to work out what God has worked in. That's where the problem comes. The problem comes uh, becomes when we look at the John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, and we, we look at the verses, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for it is by grace that I have been saved through faith that is not myself, it is the gift of God. And the problem comes when we decide that we are going to sit. There was once a, once a song, and I can't remember who, who sang it, and I was looking for it and looking for it. He says, uh, the song basically said we are, we're just fat little babies if we are not growing in our spiritual walk. And here he says, I want you to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. And there's inner workings in Philippians. Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ. Right? God is the one who is working in you. And he will continue to work. Notice the process. He will continue to work until the day of Christ. Go, go look it up. Philippians 1.6. There's another one in Philippians. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. He fills us as we continue to grow and we continue. Because when you're a new Christian, when you're a new believer, there's a lot of things you don't understand. Recently, I don't know, maybe three months ago, I sat down to watch a movie that I thought was so hilarious back in 1983. And I watched it again, and I was like, this isn't funny. This is filthy. Click. Because I had grown in my Christian walk, and I was able to determine, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, I realized, wait a minute, I thought, yeah, when I was a baby Christian, but now that I've grown to a certain level, I go, mm, no. Because the process, when you're saved, and I see this a lot, when you first get saved, people get on fire, and then all of a sudden they go, whoops, wait a minute. That's at that moment when you realize that you're not as perfect or as righteous as you think you are is when you begin to grow. God needs humble servants. So, what about this one? 
For I know through your prayers and God's provision of the, of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation comes into your heart and takes up residency. Uh, Paul says in the book of Romans, the great book of Romans, that his spirit adopts our spirit. And at that point, the adoption takes place. I love adoption language because we are all adopted by God. We have all been in, brought into the family of God by adoption. So his spirit adopts our spirit and confirms that we are children of God. Isn't that wonderful? It's beautiful. I don't know if you're familiar with basketball. Um, Stephen Curry, I, I'll just be honest with you, I think he's the best three-point shooter in, 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 in basketball. And if you're following the NBA playoffs, I'm not sure anybody's going to beat Golden State. I know the Milwaukee Bucks, they're, they're playing really well right now. Uh, Stephen Curry, hands down, he had 33 points the other night. I'll be watching the next game because they're up three games to none on the Timberwolves. And Stephen Curry, he just, he'll hit threes at will. They feed it to him, and he, he could go like this, three, hit it. He's had 33 points, how much, I don't know how many games, but he, he's just cool, calm, and collected. Now, I, I'm not trying to say I don't like that I dislike the Bulls or anything like that. <laughs> no, I'm in the Chicago area. But he's one of the best shooters, the three-point shooters that there are in the NBA. They feed it to him, bam, three. I watch it over and over and over again. And the other team just sitting there going, how do we stop this guy? And then if they double-team him, of course, then there's other guys open and they get the ball in. Stephen Curry, one of his life verses is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That might surprise you, right? You're thinking a big NBA star? He's a Christian. And God has obviously blessed him. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. In context of that verse is when he says, I, I know the secret, all this, I can, I can, whatever comes on me, God will give me the strength to do it. Let me tell you, in your Christian walk with Christ, it is always his strength, not yours, not mine. He is the one that gives us the ability to carry on when life gets tough. Have you ever had moments in, in your life when life was tough? Did you, I've seen, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I've seen Christians go through some stuff that I, I was like, whoa. I don't know how you're making, making the, I mean, this is tough. There was a lady in one of my churches. She was going through all kinds of stuff, and she goes, you know what, Pastor? God is just giving me the strength to get through it. See, this is where the process comes in. We would all like to be on the hilltop all the time. The hills are alive with the sound of music. I'm not going to spin for you because I'd probably fall down, but <laughs> we want that, right? We want the mountaintop all the time. The sun is shining, the birds are singing, maybe even landing on your shoulder. <laughs> That's true, too. 
But that's not how Christian living is. As you live for Christ in this world, it will get difficult. It will get tough. It will get hard. Life will hit you from all sides simply because you call on the name of Jesus in a lost world. But you can do all things through him who strengthens you. Stephen Curry knows it. Other Christians know this. And this is God working in your life and my life. Praise be to God. I'm going to tell you this. Whenever life gets tough, just know that you are not alone. I, I get it, folks. Some of you right now are going through difficult times. I get it. And in those difficult times, I want you to be reminded of the fact that if, if I just keep working, regardless of what is in front of me, that I just keep moving, God is at work in my life. As you have always obeyed me when I preach, when you leave today, I want you to write that down. God will give you the strength to endure whatever it is that is up on you. It's all part of the great plan of working out what God has worked in. We work out to get God's help because life's not always easy. How he works. Now notice what he says here, and then we're going we're to close. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Thelio is what God desires. That is the will. That's what God desires. The work, we have seen that word before, ergon, which something that is accomplished, and the good pleasure means that which is pleasing to God. So as God works in you, in your life, right now, as God is working, he is working to will his pleasure. You remember the video I showed a couple of weeks ago of Eric Lytle running? Uh, one thing that he said in that movie, Chariots of Fire, was, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Brothers and sisters, when you run, you should feel the pleasure of God. Even in the midst of hardship and trial and struggle and breakdowns and hurts and frustrations, you run and you should feel the, the pleasure of God because He is at work in your life. It is God who is working in you even in the moments of despair and hardship. And He knows he knows when to give the extra grace and the extra power that you need to keep walking. Mm. I think Max Anders is right. Saving faith surrenders all of life to God and His purpose. Producing maturity. I think this is a starting point. When you say, God, here is my life. 
You know where I am in my Christian walk. Uh, But God, I want to the best of my ability to know your purpose. And what God does is it produces maturity demonstrated in our good works. As you surrender your life, all of it, the good times and the bad times, as you surrender that life, God begins producing maturity and then you begin producing good works. As Christians mature and allow God to work through their lives. Again, I don't want you to think that you're working independently. Because you are not working independently. You're working with the power of God who works inwardly in your life. Who works through your lives. They find, listen, this is important. They find God is accomplishing his purposes in them even when they are not aware of it. God brought something to my memory when we were driving this week in the car, and this came into my mind, and I said, you know what, I've got to share it. I remember one day in Bible college, I saw a young man sitting on the tennis courts, just sitting there. He was in his first semester of Bible college. I had been there three years. And I remember looking out at him, and I go, you know what? I'm going to go over and see what's going on. And so I went over, and I sat down. And I said, what's, what's going on? And he shared his heart. And it was a lot. And I said, you know what? What, what we're going to do is we're going to pray about it. And we prayed. The next year before I left Bible college, he comes up to me. And he goes, you know what? He said, I used you in a sermon last week. I said, well, I hope it was good. Because <laughs> I was a little boisterous in Bible college. I knew everything, of course. I knew nothing. Well, I knew some things, but he said, and he was crying. He said, the day that you sat down on the tennis court with me and talked to me was a day that changed my life. I didn't know that. Stuff that you guys do and you gals do, you have no idea how God will use that to accomplish his purpose. I had no idea. I just sat down and talked to a young man who was struggling, prayed with him, and then the next year he came back and he said, you know, I had no idea. I was oblivious that God would take that one moment in time and use it in such a way in an individual's life. I, didn't, I don't want to take credit for it. I'm just saying, I didn't know it. So when you do things in your life, and it is godly, this is why God's so awesome. He sends somebody to you, that person ministers to you, and somewhere down the road you go, wow, I see how God used that. God Listen, listen, listen. You may not be on a grand stage, but you're on a grand stage. 
Your life matters. You have value to God. And everything that you do will be done in accordance with God's good pleasure. To close. We work out. We do our part. We, we say, God, you know, I want to live for you in this world that is in darkness, that needs the light. I want to live for you. I want to do those things that will help me grow. And this is a good image, I, the best image I could come up with to help you put it all together. We work out what God has worked in. So in other words, God works in us and we work it out. That's the Christian life. We work out what God has.